are so glad that you're here. And, and as I said earlier today, we believe it's no accident that you're here today. That somehow you've ended up in this place today, in Charles C. McGuire Gymnasium. Here you are on Easter morning, 2011. We believe it's no accident. And, and because of that this morning, I don't want to so much preach at you so much as I want to tell you a story. Because we all love really good stories, don't we? We all love stories. In fact, uh, author Ellie Wiesel, you may recognize that name, once said, and, and this may not be completely true, but I like it. She said this, God created humankind because he loves stories. God created humankind because he loves stories. Because we, we all love stories. Not just God, but we are born into stories. Our lives, if you think about it, your life doesn't come to you like a math problem that you have to figure out. Our lives, day by day, page by page, come to us like story, scene after scene. I agree. Day by day. You wake up, and in your story, what will happen next? Well, you don't know. In order to find out, you have to turn the page. You have to enter in to the next part of your story, and today is no different. For every single one of you this morning, your story brings you to this place today. Hundreds of different stories all meshed into one, gathered into one place. Even if just this morning, I, maybe your story was like this, but let me just take a stab at, at how your story went this morning. Uh, the, the alarm clock went off, and you were so excited to get out of bed. Who, oh, sleeping in is overrated, and the alarm clock went off, and you gently grabbed the alarm clock and just tapped it off because it's Easter, and you're so excited to be up, and you wake up to a wonderful home of screaming children and in-laws that you get along with so well, and the bacon and the eggs are cooking, and the sausage, and it's just perfect. None of it got burnt. Everything just went great. And then you all get dressed and you didn't spill anything on your brand new Easter tie that you got. And you got here and you are here as one big happy family today with no issues whatsoever. Right? Something like that? Yeah. Well, that's, that's how it was in our household this morning. We woke up and gave each other high fives just like every... No, that's not exactly how it goes. Our stories don't always go the way we think they're going to go, do they? They never turn out the way we think. I want to tell you a little bit of my story. Since it's Easter, I have to share this. Um, And I just love having Will read because that was me. I was totally Will. That was me, except Will got to wear a polo shirt today. I didn't get to wear a polo shirt. I remember growing up, my my mom would dress my brother and I. He's two years older than I am. And she would dress us for Easter in these brand new khaki pants and probably some really ugly suspenders that look Norwegian or something like that. Uh, A a new shirt. And worst of all, worst of all for a seven-year-old that's trying to have any, any sense of fashion for the ladies, you know, any sense of fashion, a tie. Now, that may seem like a little thing, but not a real tie like dad's tie, the dreaded clip-on tie, the dreaded clip-on tie. And it's just all Easter morning, you're supposed to be happy because Jesus is risen, but the kind of tie that just suffocates you all morning, you can hardly breathe and it's just so stuffy and you walk around, you wonder if Jesus can save the world from sin and death, then certainly he can save me from suffocating from this snap-on tie. But we made it through. 
So I started to believe somehow, then the last little piece of my costume, of, of my, my Easter costume as I call it, was also the dreaded comb over. And some of you little boys, you can remember, the comb. I'm not talking about combing over to cover up any bald spots, I'm just talking about a straight up preacher's kid comb over. And what this comb over, just, I, I, I came to see it screaming to the world, says, hello world, I am, in the pre- I am the preacher's kid and I did not choose this look. But it's a good thing Easter is more than just about that. Yes, there's a lot of joy and happiness in this day, but there is so much more, so much more to Easter. Our stories, even those little silly things that you think back on with your family today, our stories, everything we do weaves its way into the larger story of our life. And by being here today, I don't know if you realize this, you've entered into the story of this community here of this community that gathers every single week here at Hubble and then scatters into the community. You have joined the story of this group of people, this rag-tag bunch of imperfect people sitting around you today. You've joined stories with them. There is some resurrection in the air today. If there is some joy in the air today, I think it's because as a community, we've found something much bigger than ourselves to celebrate today. Yeah, any time you want to clap, that's fine. Just temporarily forget your Lutheran and just go for it. There's some resurrection in the air today. There's some joy in the air today because whether you were here or not, last Sunday, many of us took a step of faith. We took a step of faith and we did it together as a community. And we learned that maybe this whole church thing isn't about us. After all, maybe there's more to this whole Christianity thing than just going through the motions and putting in our time once a week. And so last week, if you can remember, we worshiped not just with words and with song and music, but with our hands and our feet as the church literally left the building. And so whether you were here last week or not, I just wanted to show you some quick highlights of that. Take a look. Praise God for that. Absolutely. And that's just a snippet, and rumor has it, the rumor around town is this, that if you join KQ, our children's ministry, you get to ride fire trucks during worship, so keep that in mind. Uh, If there's some joy in the air, if there's some resurrection in the air today, it's because the story of Easter gives us reason to share that with the neighborhood. And so this week, instead of waiting for people to come to us for Easter... We decided a week early last week to bring some Easter to them, and people got to experience real life, tangible resurrection through each of you, through care packages for teachers in the retirement community, through a beautiful landscape school outside, for firemen with cookies that are, that are joyful for that, to neighbors with clean yards, to that lonely single mom who happened to find a stack a free quarters in the laundromat this week, and she didn't know if she could afford that final load of laundry for her kids. Easter through you. Easter for you and Easter through you. Why is that? Because I believe we've discovered the joy that comes when we start to live for something more, that we start to live not just on our own little stories, but in a story that's so much bigger than our own. Have you ever noticed how life gets really empty when you're just looking out for yourself? You ever notice that? 
when it's just about us, when it's just making it through another day, when it's just trying to find a little bit of happiness along the way. It's so easy for us to put our blinders on and get caught up in our own little stories from day to day. But those of you that have been around here for a while know that the ones with the most joy around here are the ones who serve. By far. You know that when we serve, who gets more out of it? The people being served or the people serving? We do. I mean, we don't know that for sure. They get a lot out of it, but we do because it fills us up because it's what we were created to do. We found that overarching story that when you connect to that bigger story, it gives meaning and purpose to your little story day by day. And maybe you're here today looking for that story. That your story, your life seems a little bit random and scattered, and, and, and why is that piece fitting in with this piece, and why did that happen, and why did that happen? And if you're looking for that story today, then I have to tell you, you picked a great day to come. You picked a great day to come. In fact, have you heard the headline news this morning? Have you heard the top story? Is this like take out your pastor day or something? What's up with that? I just needed one, actually. Uh, I just needed one this morning. I just needed one to tell you the top story. Have you heard the news today? So imagine this. You pick up the front page. Who cares about the sports? That's not important today. Most days, but not today. You pick up the newspaper one Sunday morning in the year 33 AD, only to find this headline. Jesus Christ, King of the Jews, missing. Missing. What is going through your head when you read that? Because you kind of say, well, wait a minute. And then there's this, this picture of this massive garden tomb, and this immovable stone has been rolled away. And so you're, you're, you, love good, you love a good story, so you read on. I mean, you've, you've kind of heard the buzz around town about this guy, right? This, this rabbi from Galilee comes into town, and he starts healing the sick, and he starts teaching in the temples, and he starts doing things that nobody's ever seen before. Even claimed to be God. Even claimed that he could forgive sins no matter what you've done. And he starts hanging out with all the losers, in society. He starts hanging out with all the dropouts, with all the nobodies, with all the outcasts, and they love him. These kind of people that don't have it all together are attracted to him. They love hanging out with him. Everybody loves him, well, except the Pharisees, the religious people, of course, of the day. And they convince one of his inner circle, uh, Judas, that's right, Judas was his name, to betray him for 30 louses lousy pieces of silver, which isn't going to get you much. So they arrest him. They beat him. They actually treat him like a criminal, and they execute him in the worst way possible that Romans know how to execute people on a cross. And they drive like railroad spikes through his feet and through his wrists so that he won't slip off the cross from his own weight. And wasn't that just Friday? That's right, it was. But today's not Friday. It's Sunday. 
Today is Sunday. And I could, I could keep reading the column to you, but actually, let's read it together. So pull out your Bibles again, and actually the column continues on page 828. How about that? So let's read that together. If you want to pull that out, John's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you pull that out, page 828. And I'm going to start reading in verse 6. So John chapter 20, verse 6. And the Des Moines Register, I mean the Galilean Register, conveniently put it on page 828 for us. And I'll start reading in verse 6. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw there strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. He saw and believed. Believed what? That death is not the end of the story. The plot, the storyline of Jesus' life is not death, but life. It's a resurrection story where Peter saw the empty tomb, the empty claws, and the disciples went in and they saw and believed. And I just want to ask you for a second, just to imagine that you're walking in the, in the garden that morning, that, 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 that morning, and, and, and the, the, the dew is on your feet, and it's kind of wet, and the, and the birds are chirping, and the stone is gone. And the stone is gone. What would that be like three days after seeing that same man crucified outside of the city limits on basically the city garbage dump? And three days later, he's not there. You see, Easter is where your story collides with God's story in a very, very powerful, powerful way where every single one of us is put back into that story right where Peter stood that morning, right in front of the open tomb. And the question for every single one of us, as we look at that empty tomb and the clothes are lying there, we look at the tomb and the question for every single one of us is, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Will you run in? Or will you turn around and walk away and forget what you've seen? What kind of story, after all, is this? When you think about this story, just the last three days, so much tragedy and loss, but at the same time, so much excitement and joy. And when you think about it, doesn't every great movie look like that? It looks like every great movie. In fact, just for a moment, just for a moment, I want you to just take a deep breath and if you need to close your eyes to focus, do that. I want you to think about your favorite one or two movies in the entire world. Just think about those right now. And as you think about those movies, well, first of all, go a little bit deeper than Dumb and Dumber if you're going there. Just think. <laughs> your favorite movies. What is it that you love about them so much? What do you love about those stories so much? Just stop and think. It's probably something stirring in your heart, maybe something from your childhood or something like that. 
What is it about those stories? For me as a little boy, I'll share with you maybe just to kind of get the wheels turning a little bit. For me, and some of these movies haven't changed. I'm still 12 in a lot of ways. But um, my, my favorite movies growing up were, were Robin Hood and His Merry Men. No, not Men in Tights, just Robin Hood. The standard Robin Hood and his band of brothers. Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. And in fact, uh, one of them was The Great Escape. It was this World War II movie where they needed to dig tunnels to get out of this prisoner of war camp. And so my brother and I, uh, we were probably six or seven, um, we would love to reenact these. If you can kind of see that, that is not us, but something like that. Uh, when we were six or seven, and we would reenact these because this is real. This is real, serious business. We got to act out these movies. And so we would act out The Great Escape. And what are we going to do? Well, dig a hole, right? Because you have to dig a hole to dig a tunnel, right? We're going to Switzerland, okay? So my brother and I, they're digging in the garden because it's already tilled up, right? And we're out there with our little picks and shovels, probably plastic, made by play school or something like that. And we're out there digging and we are just covered in mud, but we are loving this. Two feet deep, we're almost to China, right? So we're digging and my mom comes out and she says, you know, boys, uh, uh, what are you doing? And she first asked me, Jonathan, what are you doing? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all into it and everything. So I said, in my little six-year-old, probably not even puberty voice yet, we're busting out of this place and headed for freedom. <laughs> but that wasn't even the best part. So then she turns to my brother, who's supposed to be the mature one, now at, you know, seven or eight years old, and she looks and says, oh, Jonathan, that's great. Well, Nathan, what are you doing? Now, you have to understand, we are the epitome of pastor's kids, okay? And so my brother, the only thing that comes to his mind from his churchy preacher's kid background, he looks at my mom with his shovel in his hand and dirt all over him and says, Mom, we're digging into the Word of God! <laughs> and would you believe that he ended up a pastor too? How about that, right? Right? But no matter what we were doing, the story was real to us and we were living in that story. It didn't just happen in the movie. It's happening right now here today. We were living in the story because chances are, chances are, no matter what movies you came up with, the common denominator is that you see yourself in the plot, right? You wouldn't love that movie unless something didn't really resonate in the core of who you are. I'm, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing that the movie you chose probably is full of adventure, maybe a little romance, of beauty, of courage, both tragedy and death, but also incredible joy and hope, and maybe some good versus evil. Why does every good story have that plot? Because yours does. Because God's story does. In fact, every great story, and you can try me on this, every great story in one way or another traces its plot back to Good Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. That is the plot of every great story that we love in the final three days of Jesus' life. Because as with any good plot, though, it might be helpful for us, as our good friend Paul Harvey would say, to know the rest of the story, right? The rest of the story. So rewind the tape in your mind back three days. Back to the first century world of Jesus, two days earlier to Friday. Because we don't have Sunday without Friday. We can't avoid it. Where for his closest friends, all they see is their teacher, their friend, for Mary, her own son, 
nailed to a cross. That's all they see. Their life script, if we're talking about stories, their life script has taken a radical turn, and they're left with just bits and pieces of that script in their hands. This wasn't supposed to happen. This is the Savior. This is like in David's line, like he's supposed to come and throw out the Romans and restore all things to the way they were supposed to be. But now all we're left with is pain and heartache and anger and loneliness and broken relationships and death. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? So maybe for you on this Easter morning, maybe that book that you hold in your hands isn't some irrelevant religious book, but maybe, just maybe, Holy Week cuts right to the heart of the deepest places of who we are. Because for a lot of us here today, it seems a lot more like a Friday than a Sunday. You know what I'm saying? The Fridays of our lives come around just as much, if not more often, than the Sundays. Maybe some of you are living in a Friday right now and you're holding bits and pieces of your life story of that script and you can't seem to line it up because there's some chapters in your story. There's some things that have happened to you that you just can't make sense of. Maybe you've done something or something's been done to you and it's painful and it's real. And you came to worship today and maybe every week, hoping, just hoping, that whatever you're going through is not going to be the end of your story. seems like, to me, one of the main reasons that a lot of people don't want anything to do with church, well, organized religion, I guess, is that they just don't want to be around these people that are so dang happy all the time. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? You ever just get around some people and it's like, is anything wrong with your life, right? You just want to know because it's almost like they're not being real and authentic. Maybe you've never really found a church to call home because to you it just feels like a bunch of hypocrites and, and, and people that just think that they have it all together and so you wouldn't fit in. And I just want to say, I'm sorry, That's not the way that it should be. But I can also tell you this morning, and here's the good news, that you are sitting around a bunch of people today, not just here at Hubble, but billions and billions of Christians around the world who call themselves Christians not because they have it all together, but because without Easter, we've got nothing. Without that cross being empty and the tomb being empty, we've got nothing. Because let's admit it, folks, we've got issues. Not just tags on our new suit coat. We've got issues. Every single one of us. Some of them not so big. Some of them really, really deep. And they've been a part of your life for a long time. We've got issues. There's not one single one of us here today that does not that has our ducks all lined up in a row and we've got things figured out, that we have arrived in this thing called Christianity, folks. We've got issues. And I know that that is a delightful, cheery message for you to hear here on this Easter morning. But just in case I want you to remember that, just give the person next to you an elbow and say, hello, friend, you've got issues. And say it like you mean it. You've got issues. Okay, okay, okay. Some of you spouses are having a little bit too much fun with that. So just relax, okay? 
You can do more of that when you get home. You've got issues. Every single one of us has our stuff. We've all got stuff. But we also have a great Savior who knows exactly what it's like to go through the Fridays of life. Who resonates with what you're going through. And he says, because we've all got issues, you're in the right place today. You belong here. You belong here, not just in God's house today. God says, you belong with me. And that's what Easter is all about. Even if you're in a Good Friday kind of season right now, maybe, maybe it's a divorce that you didn't want. Maybe it happened a long time ago. Maybe it's recent. Maybe it's that long, constant season of unemployment. I know that we talk about that every week here, but it's, it's the real deal. Maybe for you, it's that doctor's report that you got recently. Maybe it's the death of a loved one this past year. In fact, um, that's what it was for me this past winter uh, when I lost my grandpa, first, first grandparent uh, that I lost. So I feel pretty privileged in that. Um, two weeks before Christmas. That's not supposed to happen. And I'm sure that every single one of you have had a moment in your life where something like that happens and the first thing you think is, that's not supposed to happen. It's Friday, again and again. So I thought I'd do a nice grandson thing, and I called my grandma up yesterday, up there in rural Minnesota, out on the farm. Um, Now alone, alone for Easter for the first time in 61 years. Cherish the relationships that you have in your life. Life's not about how much you can earn or how much stuff you can get. It's about the people that are sitting next to you today. And so I talked to my grandma and we chatted for a while and she was honest and real about how hard it's been and that she's in that recliner and there's nobody in that recliner. And we got to talking and, I, and I, so I just decided to kind of wrap up the conversation and, and I was wrapping up. I just said, you know, so grandma, what have you been up to the last couple weeks? And I thought she was going to say, oh, just, you know, baking and milling around the house. And before I could get done asking the question, Grandma, what have you been up to the last few weeks? Well, decorating for Easter, of course. (laughs) Decorating for Easter, of course. It was almost as if she was saying to me, John, don't you get it? It's not like Easter is going to stop. Because no matter how many Fridays we have, there's always going to be Sundays. Because even when it seems like life is a dark, painful Friday over and over and over again, the truth is, because of Easter, we know there's a Sunday. It may be Friday in your life, but Sunday's coming. And so even in her sorrow, she can decorate. She can decorate for Easter because she knows Sunday's coming. And the same words that Jesus says to my grandma are the same words that I remember Jesus speaking to Mary at the tomb of Lazarus, one of Jesus' best friends who's died and Jesus comes and says, oh, I'm not late, I'm not late. You think I'm late, but I'm not late. And Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb, stinky and smelly and wrapped up in white cloths as ever. Does that have a little bit of foreshadowing at all for you? God is his hand all throughout this story. And Jesus says to Mary that day, I 
am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Folks, because of Easter, because of the cross, Jesus Christ stared at the cross, the powers of hell. And he stared the powers of hell right in the face. If you've ever doubted how much Jesus loves you, there is sufficient biblical evidence to say that Jesus Christ literally went to hell and back for you so that you would know how much he loves you. If you've ever doubted it, if you've ever doubted it, know that Jesus Christ has stared your junk, my junk, all our stuff, all our sin, all our guilt, all our shame, all our baggage, the powers of hell and Satan himself, and he stares it in the face and he says, I win. I win. Nothing that you're going through right now wins. I win because I am the resurrection and the life. And that's what we celebrate every single week. And I want to say to you this morning that maybe your Friday is very, very real right now. But that is not the end of the story. And I know that that automatically doesn't take away your mom's cancer. I know that that doesn't take away the abuse that happened to you in the past. I'm not saying that everything's just going to go perfect if you just trust Jesus and just try a little bit harder. If that's the message of Easter, bah humbug. (laughs) The message of Easter isn't that you have to try harder. The message of Easter isn't that you have to go climbing up the ladder to him because your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ has come walking down the ladder to you and he gave the ultimate price, his life, for you. I win, he says. I win. And all those things may be true, but it doesn't mean that it's not real. We have a God that specializes in hopeless situations, who says in your storm, come stand on the rock because I'm not going to change. I will keep on loving you no matter what. I will keep on loving you no matter what. But the second piece of this is we're not just captured by this Easter story because it has Fridays and because we can relate to that. We love it because it's a story about the unexpected, about a hero Think about those movies again. It's about a hero who, when you least expect it, comes in and saves the day once again. So I have a confession to make. It's confession time. A lot of you are thinking, I thought I went to a Lutheran church this morning. Here's my confession. I love Jack Bauer. Do we have any 24 fans out there? Come on. Yes, a few 20. Good. Awesome. We'll get together afterwards and have a party. I am addicted to this show. Well, We are addicted to the, let's set the record straight. We are addicted to this show. So 24 fans, you know what I'm talking about for the rest of you, just really quickly. So a little disclaimer, this is not a show that I, your pastor said, go out and have a little family Easter movie night tonight, okay? Not saying that, just to set the record straight. But boy, I got hooked in these past several weeks to Jack Bauer. So he's a federal agent and he's all around and he's chasing after the bad guys. He works in the CTU, the counter-terrorist units. And so every, every week there's a new issue that comes up and Jack is going to go in and he saves the day. And again, what I told you, I haven't grown up yet. I'm still that little 12-year-old boy that's playing in the dirt, right? So my wife and I are walking into Target the other day, right? And just work, walking along and there's all the cars in the parking lot and all of a sudden, what do I do? You know, I'm like this. And she's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I married this. You're a pastor for crying out loud. And I'm weaving in and out of the cars. I'm not joking, weaving into the cars like this. And I kind of look that over and I go, you can just call me Jack. 
And I weave around a few other cars, and I'm like this, and I go, honey, set up a perimeter around the premises. <laughs> she loves that stuff. She absolutely loves it. She eats it up. And so back to the show. Anyway, this is getting off. In typical Jack fashion, a couple weeks ago, he's fighting the terrorists. And then there's this explosion where, for sure, we think he's dead. And there is no way, there is no way humanly possible that Jack is going to make it through this. And I'm on pins and needles. We're sitting on the love seat together. And I'm like, I can't wear the blanket anymore. I'm sweating. I'm on pins and needles. I'm biting my fingernails off. And I turn and I look and I go, honey, do you think he's going to make it? To which my much more calm and mature wife turns to me and says, Honey, it's season one. There are seven seasons. What do you think? So much love and compassion in our marriage. What do you think? And my response is, Oh, yeah. And why is that not our response, not just on Easter? but every single day because he's not dead. Oh, yeah. Because when you know the end of the story, it puts everything else in perspective, right? No matter what you're going through. So they unpile the wreckage, expecting to find Jack there, buried and dead, but instead he's gone. And we find out that he's saved by a shoestring and some duct tape or something like that. He comes through again, and it's almost like 24. The show is just reaches out of the TV and said, bam, bet you didn't expect that. And so the disciples go walking into the tomb, and he's not there. And it's almost like that giant stone says, bam, I bet you didn't see that one coming either. That's what Easter screams out to every single one of us today. Because our stories never happen the way we think, especially God's story. A story of the unexpected. But for a lot of us, I think, we're not living in Friday and we're not living in Sunday. We refuse, we refuse to let the story consume us and so we live in Saturday. You say, well, I like Saturdays. Well, it's a different kind of Saturday. And maybe that's you today that you're sitting there and you're saying, okay, John, things aren't terrible, but yet things aren't great either. It's just Saturday. And you say, okay, I, John, I get the whole church thing. You know, I get it. Uh, religion is this nice thing to do, and I'm here with my family on Easter, and, you know, I might even, I might even come back for Christmas, right? I might even be a CEO Christian, Christmas and Easter only, right? That's great, we love it that you're here those days. But then you say, let's not get carried away here. I'm just fine. I'll just keep this Jesus, I guess, and we'll just kind of keep him over here on the shelf, and then during my CEO days, I'll just pull him out when I need him. But with all due respect... What if the God of the universe today wants to break your shelf in two and let that Bible and let that grand overarching story fall down into your lap because Jesus says, I don't want to just be a nice idea for you today. I don't want to just be a little bit of inspiration for you today. I'm not the Easter bunny. I'm not the Easter egg hunt. I am the God of the universe and I'm not sitting on some dusty shelf in an old irrelevant book. I'm right here today. He's not in the tomb because he's here. 
He is here and he's alive. Folks, you can't run from your story. You can't run from your story. But I have to say, even for those, some of us that have been on this journey for a long time, we pray the prayers, we sing the songs, we come to worship, we go to the Bible studies, but how often do we settle? How often do we settle for our current experience of the living God? It's not about a religion, it's about a relationship today. Don't settle, folks. Not on Easter. Don't settle. And right in the middle of our nice little Christian routines that we work up, God rolls a stone away and says, Bam, I bet you didn't see that one coming. We live in a story where the author doesn't sit passively by. The author writes himself into the story. If you hear nothing else today, hear this. To create the world, it costs the creator nothing. But to save it, it cost him everything. And that's good news. That's really good news. The author enters our story. We have a God that is writing a story about the unexpected and it hasn't stopped. God is on the move in this place. There's resurrection all around today. And I could keep trying to convince you and convince you and convince you, or I could just tell you what's been happening around here lately because that's what we know. That's where we are. That's where we see God on the move. Would you believe that last week, we've got some uh, folks from our Breakfast Club uh, ministry uh, that are here, and uh, they've been with us for a while. And could you guys just stand that uh, we're out at uh, West Des Moines last week? Where are you? There you are. Go ahead and stand on up. Yeah, absolutely. You bet. And there's Kurt. Awesome. And they thank you for your... Keep standing up, guys. We're not done yet. After a lot of years of being nowhere close to God and not even thinking that this was possible and being down a road that they never thought that they would come back from. Um, Josh, go ahead and go to that next slide. I know you can't see that very well, but there's a lot of smiling faces up there. Last week after our Palm Sunday service, I had the opportunity to dunk all three of them in one way or another, and they were baptized. And we normally don't do this, but because it's Easter, and I want you to know how important this is, that we celebrate with you as your family, if we could just stand up and give them a loud, loud standing ovation and round of applause. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You can sit. If you get a chance, give them a big old hug after. If you ever doubt Ask them if Easter's real. You can argue a lot of things on Easter. We could argue all day long, but I have to tell you, if you want to go look and the evidence is there, the guy came out of the tomb. It's real. And you don't have to look much further than the people sitting next to you. I could try to convince you all day long, or I could just tell you what's been going on. And this has nothing to do with us, and it has everything to do with him. But since last Easter... We've had grown men weeping in Bible studies as they have the blessing of the Father that they never knew spoken over them for the first time. I've seen dozens of you be rescued out of lives of addictions and alcoholism and everything that you can think of. 
I've seen men becoming better fathers and women becoming better mothers and and becoming strong, confident women in faith. I've seen family members in the hospital praying together in their darkest hour and that they're healed from pain and sickness through the power of prayer. There is resurrection in the air, but it's not just for today, it's for every day. But because of Easter, Sunday is the day that proves anything is possible. Anything is possible. And I just have to say that maybe today, you came for just a nice little Easter service with bunnies and eggs and flowers and ham when you get home. And you weren't really expecting anything too crazy. And I just want to tell you today, Easter is for you. Yes, it's for your family. Yes, it's for your spouse. Yes, it's for your buddies that you came with. Easter is for you. And it's for all these funny-looking church people around you too. But what about you? We know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, but is he your life? And maybe if you've been sitting here today clapping and singing and witnessing transformation all around you, you feel that little nudge inside of you that says, what if today was the day I went all in? What if he's trying to get my attention today? You say, you know, I'm, I'm tired of going through the motions. I'm, I'm tired of trying to find a little peace, a little happiness, a little pleasure where I can. In your story, I have to ask, in your story, is it about being the character that gets to the end of the game with the most stuff? Or have you missed it? And I want you to just think about that today. As you get to the end of your story, And the author looks at the character that you've been. Would he say, wow, brilliant performance. Brilliant performance. But you missed the point. Don't miss the point today. Don't miss the point. No matter what your story is today, because of Easter, we know this to be true. Stories can be altered. Lives can be changed. And endings aren't necessarily endings. And only the author, only God himself can do that. As we close today, I want you to think again about those stories that you love. Just pause for a moment and think about the stories that you love. We love them because there's death and tragedy. But we love them because there's resurrection in the end. Go back to your childhood for a moment. And if you look closely, the story of resurrection is everywhere. Let's take a look. Maybe that looks a little bit familiar. I don't know. Why do we love stories of resurrection? Because yours is. Because no matter how many punches death throws at you, we can look in the face of death and say, death, you no longer have any sting. It's not the end because he is the one, not Neo. Jesus is the one and he is alive. And unlike the movies, this isn't a Hollywood story or a little fairy tale that we're talking about today. It's as real as real gets. So slow down and breathe it in. And just get a snapshot 
of the story that we celebrate today.